Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 8 of Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to be reading Revelation 22, verse 6. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Well, uh, we're moving along in our study verse by verse. Now into chapter 22 of the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the book of Revelation. And God uh, is saying that here the, the word of God, divine revelation, is coming forth to the Apostle John. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. The Greek word translated as sayings is Strong's number 3056. It's the Greek word logos from um, which the the English word word is typically translated. And and so this is uh, the same uh, the same thing as saying these words are faithful and true. And it's referring to the words specifically God has been saying to the Apostle John, the revelation that we're reading in the book of Revelation, but also it's it applies to the whole Bible, because the whole Bible is given by God. And these sayings in the Bible are all faithful and true. It's the Holy Bible. We're reading these things in the book of truth. The, the the Bible is God's word. God is a God of truth. Uh, Jesus is the essence of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Thy word is true. We read of the word of God, the Bible. And it's an impossibility for God to lie. So all that we read in this holy book, in uh, this good book. And it's a good book because it is true. If there were a lie, if it were 99% true, we could not trust it like we do. It would be like everything else in the world where uh, where there is error, there is sin, there, there is falsehood, deceitfulness. But it is not the case with the Bible. It's only the Bible of everything in the world that we can count on, we can rely on, we can trust with all of our heart that everything we read is true. Now, that's not true of the the English translation or the French translation or the Spanish. There can be mistakes, but in the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the original languages of the Bible, 
There is not one mistake or error of any kind. And therefore, we do have a record of truth that comes from the mouth of God. And that's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's not true of any other religious writing. Any other writing does not come from God and therefore is full of errors. It's not true of any writing of men in in any area or any concern in the world, in philosophy, in science, in um, whatever area you want to look at. There are errors, there are mistakes, there are lies put forth and you you cannot trust it like the Bible. Only the Bible. That's why the Bible is worth a thousand libraries of books written by men. Because this one book is special. This one book is super special above the rest because it comes from the mouth of God and it is completely true. And... And, and, you know, God doesn't have to say that. He doesn't have to tell us, as he does here, these sayings are faithful and true. That's the characteristic of the Bible. That's the case with everything we read in the Bible up until, up until this last book. It's always been faithful and true. Read Genesis. It's faithful and true. Or Deuteronomy or the Psalms, or Proverbs, or Daniel, or Matthew, or the Acts of the Apostles. It's all faithful and true. Yet, God condescends to the the creature. He condescends. He recognizes our frail condition. After all, we're sinners. And we have fallen into sin. And what's the condition of man's sinful heart before salvation? deceitful and desperately wicked above all things and we we look around and we see nothing but sinners and sinners are liars natural born liars in our in our unsaved condition man is born speaking lies we read and the fool said in his heart there is no god the unsaved naturally in in our dead spiritual condition speak lies and and the world is full of lies it its religion is full of lies its philosophy is full of lies its science is full of lies just think of evolution the the world constantly puts forth the lie and if you you happen to watch a nature video and and it's showing god's beautiful creation They'll lie and they'll say, now millions of years ago or billions of years ago, this is how these creatures got to be the way they are. Lies in in just about everything we see in this world. And God recognizing that, recognizing that who he's talking to that and and where we are. We're in a sin-cursed earth surrounded by deceit. God, knowing the situation of the reader of the Bible, stops at this point, as he did in the previous chapter, 
and especially since he is talking about incredible things, things that are so wonderful and and yet uh, so much beyond anything that we can even think or imagine uh, as God speaks of this new heaven and new earth and of the glories of that creation that he will create on the last day. And so he pauses, knowing that men tell tales, fantasies, and and they speak of um, fantastical things and and um, they they just uh, weave a yarn and and God stops and he says this is not like a golden book this is not um, a, a child's story coming out of man's mind where uh, you you can um, hear of of just fantastic things but God stops and he says these sayings are faithful and true notice he did the same thing back in Revelation 21 and notice the context that he did it back there in verse 3 and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words, and that's the same Greek word that's translated as sayings, for these words are true and faithful. Now, when, when we're reading that there's going to be uh, a time, that's the only way to put it, even though it's beyond time, time is no longer, it's into eternity future, there's going to be a place God creates and a people that he has saved and brought into this new creation. And in this super wonderful place and in their incredibly blessed condition of having a new body and a new soul, and living forever, if that's not enough, God intends to wipe away all tears. And and there'll be no more death, sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. And we we would, uh, oh, if we if this wasn't being said in the Bible, it, it we would think, oh yeah, uh, that is something you would tell a child. That that's something. You hear in a happily ever after story uh, that that someone just imagined, and yet it's coming right from the mouth of God, who cannot lie, as it says in Titus chapter one, verse two, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie 
promise before the world began. God promised these things before this world even began. He's been consistently declaring the same thing throughout the history of the world. And now comes the end of the world and God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's continuing to say the same things that here will be the condition that you will live in as you enjoy eternal life. No more crying. You've done enough crying in this world, and this world is a a bale of tears. No more sorrow. You've been sad enough. You've been cast down in soul enough in this world and and this world has been full of sorrow no more pain not physical pain of disease or ailment or affliction of being cut or being shot or being burned no more physical pain no more emotional pain no more mental anguish No pain of any kind. Your body will be perfect. It'll be uninjured, unharmed. It will remain in top. I I almost said physical condition, but it's a spiritual body. In top condition forever and ever. It will never weaken. It will never age or see corruption. It will never falter you will remain in the greatest condition that once you're created, you'll stay in that condition into this eternal future. And there will be no more death. No one will die. You will not die. And none of my people, the people of God, the elect, that are all brethren, so none of your brothers, none of your family, none of the children of God that enter into the gates of this city will ever perish or be cut off or die or cease to exist. No one will go away. You'll not wake up one day and a loved one will not be there because they died in the night. There is no night there. There is no death there. There is no curse in that place. It is gone forevermore. And you can see why God pauses after making these kinds of declarations. And, you know, you can't think of anything better. You can't think of anything more beautiful, more wonderful, more glorious than the things that God is saying in these verses to his people, and God realizes that, and so he stops and he says, these words are true and faithful. In Revelation 21, in in that passage, and here, what are we reading in Revelation 22? Oh, only that God has spoken of this glorious holy place as a pure river of water of life that proceeds out of the throne and there is the tree of life bearing its fruit 
and for the, the leaves or for the healing of the nations. And he says there is no more curse. And God's throne is in that place. And they shall see his face. That is, they'll behold the, the glory in the fullness of, of God's glory. They'll see God as he is. There's no night there. And, and, and they will reign as kings forever and ever. It, it, it's just getting better and better and better and better. You know, as this world has gotten worse and worse and worse, the evil men wax worse and worse. And all that is because men are, are um, uh, in, our, in man's sinful condition. They're dead in sin. Their hearts are always desperately wicked. But as they grow, as, as men go along in life, and th- there's a tendency to see more of their evil deeds. That's uh, really just... What has been there all along is showing itself more and more. They're waxing worse and worse. Well, likewise, in a place that is blessed rather than cursed, in a place where God is bestowing grace and mercy and love and peace and blessing, then it's as though there's, there's, uh, increase or waxing more and more Blessed, more and more blessed for all eternity. It's not getting worse and worse and worse as we see in this world from day to day. Uh, we'd have to say it's worse today than it was 10 years ago. And 10 years ago was worse than 10 years before that. And especially as God has lifted his hand of restraint upon evil, but uh, more and more. But in that place, it it's going the other direction. It's going towards the positive, towards the good that, that is being shown to the children of God. This is why God said back in Ephesians chapter 2, in uh, verse 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive, together with Christ. By grace you're saved and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's God's plan for eternity future. It's to show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness toward the elect through Christ Jesus. It's why in Ephesians chapter 3, it says in verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, 
Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And there's that phrase, world without end. Of course, it, it never refers to this world. This world has an end. It always refers to the new earth God creates on the last day. But God is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Now, isn't that um, a, quite a string of words that God puts together that we might ask or think? You know, we could ask or think uh, uh, an awful lot of God. We, we really can. And yet God says, whatever you could ask or think, whatever you could imagine, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. And that's a good description of what awaits in the new heaven and the new earth for all eternity. It is God showing and and pouring out these rich blessings upon these people that he has redeemed and he has brought into his own family. He is going to show them just how incredibly blessed they are to have been the recipients of his grace, to be ones that he has bestowed the scepter of grace towards and forgiven their sins and saved them. Oh, at this point, we're thankful. In this life, we're thankful that God has saved us and rescued us and delivered us and we see what's awful, terrible sinners we've been and we, we know that God promises eternal life and He promises these things we're reading, um, in Revelation 21 and 22. But really, we, we have severe limitations in comprehending these things and in, in understanding just how unspeakable a gift, as God moved the Apostle Paul to say, or write, salvation really is. It is an unspeakable gift because it, it is not like a million dollars. It, uh, you know, how people jump around and get so excited because they've won the lottery and they won a million or a hundred million. This is infinitely better. This is exceedingly abundantly above winning a hundred million dollars. This is beyond that because money and the riches it brings in this life is temporary. No matter how much you could buy and enjoy in the next, if you were to live for a hundred years, all that is nothing. That's a drop in an ocean that God has in store for his people. God gives a drop of blessing to the inhabitants of the earth with earth, earthly temporal blessings. He reserves the ocean. He reserves the vast sea of blessing, the exceeding abundantly above anything imaginable blessing for his elect people And this is what the Bible says. This is the plan of God. This is why God tells us 
keep your eyes on things above. Keep your eyes on things above. And, and you know, it makes it a lot easier to, um, to walk in this life um, while we're going through struggles and difficulties and, and while we're experiencing testing and tribulation and we may be reviled, we, we may not have money, we may not have health, we may have pain, crying, tears, and death may have come to our home. And all these things, all these ailments and afflictions and miseries that sin has brought upon this world. Well, we're we're not anybody different than anybody else in the world. The child of God experiences them now, yet yet God would have us to keep in mind and remember you're a child of the king. You have been made a prophet, priest, and king. You will reign forever and ever. This is your inheritance. You will inherit the promised land. You will be brought in. I have promised before the world began, eternal life is your lot that you will receive and rich, abundant blessings forevermore. Now, looking at both situations, our present situation in this world, with what the Bible says, and what the Bible says is absolute truth. It's certain to happen in the things to come. God says that is what is coming for you. And yet presently, you don't have it. That's true. But knowing both situations, God says in Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We look to the invisible God. We look to the reality of the invisible kingdom of God. We keep our eyes on things not seen as yet, but we know that they're true and faithful. We know they await. And this has been um, what God's people have done throughout all history. Remember Moses, God says in Hebrews chapter 11, in uh, verse 24, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured 
as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And it is a super rich reward. It, it is an incredibly tremendous reward of eternal life in an eternal new earth living with eternal God and and it goes on and on and on into eternity future and never has an end. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.